The game is over. Your Bucks postgame show starts now. Welcome to Bucks Talk. Insight, analysis, and your chance to sound off on the game you just heard. Now to break it all down, here's your host, Justin Garcia. Well, this was exactly what you were looking for tonight. A Charlotte Hornets team that uh, entered in the bottom not even half, the bottom five in virtually every statistical category. You went from last night playing the top-rated defense in the league to a Hornets team that ranks 30th in defensive efficiency. Really top to bottom, any statistical number you could throw out there, the Hornets were sitting either in the bottom five or very close to it. You add to it the number of players that the Hornets were out. Part of that was injuries. You think about players like LaMelo Ball and Mark Williams, Part of it, too, was all the trades the Charlotte Hornets pulled off yesterday. No more Gordon Hayward, who was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Other pieces as well, as they were part of multi-team deals. You add it all up, and there were only 10 players available for the Hornets tonight. That included all three of their two-way contracts. You knew you needed to have a performance like this. We use get-right game quite a bit. That's exactly the opportunity you were presented with this matchup tonight, and the Bucks seized advantage. It was not a wire-to-wire victory, but for all intents and purposes, the Bucks led from start to finish. A dominant showing tonight, and a game where you're able to get quite a bit of rest for Giannis. Part of that was his own doing, as Doc Rivers mentioned, uh, but you got rest for Giannis, you got rest for Damian Lillard, even Malik Beasley, all of the starters got some rest. Being able to take off the fourth quarter tonight, and more importantly, the Bucks bring an end to this three-game losing streak and get Doc Rivers in the win column for his second win as head coach of the Bucks. A win that also moves him past Larry Brown into sole possession of number eight on the NBA's all-time wins list for a head coach. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk as they bounce back in a big way. After a frustrating game last night, given the inavailability of a number of players for this team, you didn't have any point guards available with no Damian Lillard, and the trade just going through with campaign, um, the Bucks now had a surplus almost. As you had Giannis, you had Damian Lillard back, and you had Pat Beverly, who made his Bucks debut this evening. We didn't see a whole lot of Pat Bev as he played about 12 minutes in this game, but what you did see from Pat Beverly tonight was exactly what you anticipated. He was just as advertised. And we caught up with Malik Beasley after the game as well, who talked about uh, their prior relationship, their time together in Minnesota. When you think back to Pat Beverly really leading that team in the play-in tournament where the Timberwolves got into the playoffs, Malik Beasley on that team as well. He and Pat Beverly have remained close since then. And uh, look, if you're on social media, you probably saw yesterday, too, Pat Beverly, a live stream on his podcast, calling Malik Beasley when he found out the news that he was headed to Milwaukee to uh, be with the Bucks. But there's a lot that we saw from Pat Beverly that I want to get to on this show as well. But uh, overall, your impressions of the Pat Beverly debut and where this team is headed now with three games left in the first half schedule before the All-Star break. Two more very, very challenging games. But I I do think what we need to start with is when you approach this set of back-to-back games, you looked at the final five games in this first-half schedule, and you said, 
You got a game with the Hornets. You got a game on the road in Memphis against the Grizzlies. These are two games among those five that it seems like you really got to circle and point out, look, we got to get this one. We got to get these two games. If we can take two of the other three, great, and go four and one on this uh, this final five games headed into the break. If we take one of those three games against the Timberwolves, the Denver Nuggets, and the Miami Heat, we still have a three and two record going into the break. We're still above five hundred in that stretch. But these two games are important against the Charlotte Hornets and against the Memphis Grizzlies. They're games you know you'll be favored in. You should win. You got to win these games with the schedule that's in front of the Bucks, and that's exactly what they did tonight. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. The number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Some Damian Lillard numbers to throw out there. We'll get to that, but also your impression of Pat Beverly as he makes his Bucks debut and helps the Bucks snap a three-game losing streak. We'll take a look at it after this on Bucks Talk. Welcome back to Bucks Talk. One twenty to eighty four, the final score tonight at Fiserv Forum. The Bucks with a thirty six point win over the Charlotte Hornets. So a road win of thirty one points, and now a home win of thirty six. You still got two games left against the Hornets. Both of those are going to come after the All Star break at the end of this month. Yet, and look, that's the spot the Bucks are in. As Malik Beasley talked with us after the game and, and talked about the schedule this team has left yet. They've had a little bit of fluctuation in their strength of schedule for their remaining opponents coming into this game tonight, and this just goes to show you how fluid it can be depending on the opponent you are playing any given night. But coming into the game tonight, the Bucks had the eighth most difficult schedule remaining, and you take the Charlotte Hornets off that group now, they move right back up to number five. So only the Suns, the Sacramento Kings, the Portland Trailblazers, and the San Antonio Spurs have a more challenging schedule remaining than do the Bucks, And it is the most difficult schedule left in the Eastern Conference. Matter of fact, if you break it down by conference, the Bucks have the most challenging schedule left in the East. And among teams that are playoff contenders or would be in the playoffs as of this moment, the 76ers are next in line. They have the 11th most challenging schedule in the league and the 5th most challenging schedule left in the East. But you look at those other two teams we're going to continue to mention, the New York Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I suppose you can throw the Miami Heat and the Indiana Pacers into that group as well. They're all towards the bottom or in the middle of the pack for the overall NBA. Knicks and Cavs, 13th and 16th, respectively, in the NBA. And they are 7th and 8th in the Eastern Conference for most difficult schedule remaining. The Boston Celtics are likely going to run away with the top spot in the East as they have the 29th most difficult schedule remaining. Second easiest that the Celtics have left. And they're already five games up on the Cavaliers, four in the loss column. But there's a lot of separation. We're already starting to see between the Celtics, the Cavs, the Bucks, 
and the New York Knicks. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk as they do bring it in, the Bucks do, to this three-game losing streak. And you get some big performances across the board. Giannis attacking the glass, only 15 points, one night removed from his 17-point performance last night. A lot of that was foul trouble as he picked up five fouls, three in the uh, third quarter, and got into foul trouble midway through that third. He'd get lifted from the game for Bobby Portis with the fifth foul and would not return. But Giannis gave you 15 and 15. Brooke Lopez, again, has been much, much better from deep shooting the basketball of late. Malik Beasley, after making no threes last night, connects for seven of them. And moves past Ray Allen. A couple of interesting things for Bees tonight. Moves past Ray Allen for the most games in a single season with five or more made threes in Bucks history. Tonight was the 13th time Malik Beasley did that. Ray Allen previously had the record of 12 instances in the 2002 season. Speaking of that, at one point, as, as Beasley hit his seventh three-pointer tonight, about 90 seconds into the third quarter, and when that happens, they're always on notice of will we see one of those other three-point numbers fall. The franchise records, most three-pointers made in the game. It still belongs to Ray Allen. He has held on to that for 22 years now. 2002, that magical 2002 season for Ray Allen, uh, he made 10 three-pointers in a game. Ironically enough, against the Charlotte Hornets, you wondered if Malik Beasley would push him on that record. But uh, given the Bucks' performance and the margin that this game sat at, Malik Beasley did not get that opportunity, but does move past Ray Allen for the most instances of five three-pointers made in a game in a single season. 13th time Malik Beasley did that tonight. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. I mentioned a stat to throw out there from Damian Lillard. We'll get to that in just a moment, but uh, let's first head to the phone lines and catch up with Will I.M. What's going on tonight, Will? Justin, Justin, hey, man. Ironically, I feel like they heard the conversation we had last night with the disappointment of going 1-for-13 for a boy Malik Beasley, and also the intensity, like I was telling you. When those trades happen, we're looking for it. Ironically, see tonight's game and the score, whole different team, whole different Beasley, whole different attitude. You can tell that that bad, bad trade, whew, similar to that P.J. Tucker mindset of the dog. And I lost my voice there, if you can't tell. You're struggling to talk. But I was so proud of our team and the way we staffed, stuffed the rebounding number tonight, Justin. I just kept standing and applauding. And I want to ask two more things here. Well, two good statements here. Very impressed by the intensity of the bench tonight as well, as, as well as Sinassus' streetballing antics. Oh, my goodness. And then a question for you. Um, I know Marjan hasn't been really in the mix, and I was really hoping he would play more due to the severity of this blowout. Justin, what are your thoughts on how Marjan could build his minutes and kind of work his way back into this rotation? Well, look, it's going to be challenging, and it's not just – for Marjan, um, you know, we've seen Andre Jackson the same there. Uh, A.J. Green, for the moment, seems to be the guy that is getting some more of those reps. That's the challenging part for the Bucks' young players is they're all essentially lumped in at, at the same spot where uh, it, it's 
it's more and more positionless basketball. I don't know if you would call it a two guard or a three, but they're all in that same spot basically. I know they can do more, and and we've seen you know Andre Jackson Jr. played point guard in college. We've seen him take on different defensive assignments, but they're essentially fighting it out for one spot in the rotation. And right now. A.J. Green's hitting shots, and that's tough to take off the floor when that's the case. Doc Rivers did say, you know, the day he was hired or when he had his introductory press conference, we're going to need one of these guys. I don't know who it is yet. I haven't seen a whole lot of the young players. And we kind of mentioned this at the end of the broadcast, too, not to get sidetracked. But that was one of the more helpful things or better things about this margin of victory was it's two games in a row, one of them you lost and one you won. But two games in a row where the fourth quarter was essentially open to play these young players and give Doc Rivers more of a look at them. Granted, it's not quite as applicable in those blowout situations. But giving Doc Rivers more of a look at these young guys than you would just see in a practice and, and walk through. So that was key as well. Uh, but it, it really seems like it's just going to be whoever has the hot hand. And right now that's A.J. Green that he's been knocking down shots. Uh, Doc Rivers talked about his defense last night as well of I think he's a tough defender. You know, nobody's going to say he's an all NBA defensive caliber player, but he's tough. You know, you have to beat him. He won't beat himself. He's up to the challenge. We've seen some nice moments from AJ Green, rebounding the basketball, even holding up defensively against Kevin Durant on a couple of switches in that game in Phoenix earlier this week. So Right now, it seems to be his opportunity in terms of what Marjan can do. You know, it, it, it may be coach speak, but you just have to keep staying ready for when your number is called. Because as, as Doc said, to finish that point, we're going to need one of these young guys. I don't know who it is yet. But he did kind of walk it back a little bit just a couple of days ago and said, you know, it, it might be two now. And that really occurred when you saw A.J. Green knocking down shots at the volume that uh, he's been knocking them down of late. So um, what Marjan can do, as cliche as it is, is you know, just continue to stay ready because it's, it's nights like this and it's things that you can't account for where you don't know when those opportunities will open up, but they're going to. You know, with, with what, 29 games left in this season, things are going to happen. You're playing without Chris Middleton. We didn't even touch on that yet. We'll get to that in a moment as well. But you're currently playing without Chris Middleton. You would think there's a little bit of an opportunity there, but especially in games like this, you just have to be ready when called upon. And that goes not just to Marjan, to Andre Jackson Jr., to A.J. Green, who's made advantage or taken advantage of that. And that's kind of the spot that young players are in, especially once you start to get in that time period getting ready for the playoffs. Really a couple of weeks from now when you're talking about out of the All-Star break and really getting ready for that stretch run once the calendar flips to March. That's the challenging time of the calendar for young players. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. I promise that statistic for Damian Lillard. We'll get to that and also... Read between the lines a little bit on what Doc Rivers had to say about Chris Middleton. We'll get to all of that after this on Bucks Talk. The Round Ball Repartee returns. This is Bucks Talk. One twenty to 80, 84, the final score here. The Bucks move past the Charlotte Hornets tonight. The number that I promised for Damian Lillard, so we all know. Bucks are 0-5 in games that Damian Lillard does not play in, and that fifth game 
was last night against the Minnesota Timberwolves, but there does seem to be a magic number for where the Bucks have found the most success with Damian Lillard on the floor. That number is 26, and that is the exact number that Damian Lillard got to tonight, finishing with a team-high 26 points. Uh, not the most efficient shooting night. He did finish 50% from the floor in this game, but not the most efficient night from beyond the arc for Dame as uh, he went 2 of 8 on his three-point attempts. But 26 points and 8 assists for Damian Lillard. He scored 27 points the last time the Bucks played the Hornets earlier this season. That 26 number is important because it is the 23rd time Damian Lillard has scored 26 or more points in a game. When he does that, the Bucks are 21-2. and So they're 0-5 in games that Dame does not play in. But when he gets up to 26 or more points, the Bucks are 21-2. and And that's one of the things that Doc Rivers has talked about a couple of times since taking over this job as the head coach of the Bucks. that he wants to get Damian Lillard. I don't know if he's used the exact verbiage, but essentially wants to unlock Damian Lillard and unleash him and figure out how do we optimize that duo of Damian Lillard and of Giannis. He's talked about this even before he took over as the head coach of the Bucks in some of his media appearances that he made elsewhere. You've heard a little bit of how to potentially get there. And look, we need this team to get healthy. Not just for Damian Lillard to be on the floor with Giannis, but you'd like Chris Middleton back. You'd like to see your full complement of players and figure out how you can stagger these things. But we've heard Doc Rivers allude to, I want to get the ball into Dame's hands in transition a lot more. I want Dame bringing the ball up the floor, even when it's not transition. We think Giannis can be just as deadly. Uh, Everybody's going to point to as a screener. And look, when Giannis did that, and when you utilized him the most as a role man and a screener, that was the year the Bucks won the championship. And we saw a lot of that in the postseason. You think especially about that series against the Brooklyn Nets. You had Giannis setting screens for Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, and it's tough to defend when you got Giannis without the ball moving downhill waiting for that feed around the basket. You add in the offense and the shooting ability of Damian Lillard and the gravitational pull that he has, and that can change things even more so. So that really is one of the other big things. We're going to point to the defense Doc has made most notes about the defense more than anything else since he's taken over. That he has mentioned, look, I know it hasn't been good prior to the time I got here. People have said it's getting better. I see some areas where it is. I see some areas where we still need to find ways to get better and improve. I do think when you look at the eye test for this team, the defense has clearly gotten better, not just under Doc Rivers. Um, In those three games, where Joe Prunty was the interim coach as well. It has been a much, much better version of this defense. I suppose, ironically, too, they have been doing the things that Adrian Griffin was preaching for this team to do. They've been a much more pressure-style defense. They've been forcing more turnovers. They've been getting out in transition and scoring off of those turnovers. But the big things for the defense, we mentioned it again tonight, the big things that you really circled defensively were, look, if this team can continue to do a better job on the defensive glass, do a better job rebounding the basketball, not giving opponents second chances. And it was really a number of things that led to that. Not only second chance opportunities, and as, as we've seen a number of times this season, we've seen the Bucks take advantage as well. 
the more chances you give a team on one possession, if you get two offensive rebounds and reloads and secondary chances, you're going to eventually score. And it does really seem like more often than not, those scores are going to be three-pointers. So you want to minimize the number of second-chance looks that the opponent can get. But also, as we've seen with the Bucks early in the season, those looks were coming around the rim that you were putting a lot of stress on your rim protection and on Brooke Lopez. He was contesting a lot of shots. He was contesting on a per-game basis for the first, what, six or seven weeks of this season. He was contesting more shots per game than he did last season when he also led the league in contests per game. But last year was more by design, where that defense was set up to have Drew Holiday, your point-of-attack defender, funneling traffic into Brook where you could kind of contain things, and you wanted opponents to be taking those shots directly at Brook. What we saw earlier this season was breakdowns at the point of attack and the opposing team's offense just beating you there beating you on the perimeter, getting into the lane, putting pressure on Brooke Lopez. And any time he has to step out and contest and challenge any shots, that's taking a seven-footer away from the rim. You're playing more on the perimeter. Giannis isn't in that help spot as he was in years past. He's also on the perimeter. So it would leave your defense vulnerable to offensive rebounds for the opponents. That's where they'd get those secondary chances, and they would typically score around the rim. So we saw a lot of offensive rebounds for opponents, and a lot of points in the paint. There was a stretch where the Bucks. you think back to right around Christmas, that Knicks game on Christmas Day, the Cavs game shortly after. There were a lot of games where the Bucks were giving up 70 or more points in the paint, which would have been unheard of in seasons past. So we all pointed to, look, if you can do a better job rebounding the basketball, defensive rebounds, you're going to take away a lot of that. It's not going to fix everything. But it's going to take away a lot of those second-chance points. It's going to take away points in the paint, and it's going to help your defense. The other big one is transition. Just get back in transition more. And I think the best way to really look at it on the surface and say, well, it feels like their defense has gotten better in transition. You can dig into the advanced numbers that will show you points um, gained per 100 possessions in transition. But, look, the easiest way to boil it down is turnovers and points off of turnovers. And that number we've seen drop. We've seen the turnovers drop for the Bucs, which is very important. But opponents' points scored off of Bucs turnovers has also dropped, and that shows you the defense is getting back and getting set in transition. So there's still some work to be done, as Doc Rivers is quick to point out. But you are seeing some pretty marked improvement. And I I did say this a couple of times already this week, but... You know, last week, this week, basically from the moment Doc Rivers took over that game in Denver against the Nuggets, from that point all the way until the All-Star break, all of the discourse that you hear in terms of the national voices and NBA shows, this time period will really show you who's actually watching these games and watching this team versus who's looking at the standings, who's seeing the box score, and that the Bucks lost or the Bucks won. And it's just diving into it from there because the record has not been pretty under Doc Rivers, right? You went 1-4 and four on the road trip. You're 1-1 one and one on this homestand so far. So just 2-5 and five under Doc. But in terms of the optics and how this team has looked on the floor with that record, 
it doesn't match the 2-5 and five record. They have played much better than that. And, again, part of it is the level of competition they've gone against. But they've looked much better than the record would indicate in these games played. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. I mentioned Chris Middleton as Doc. Uh, maybe told us what to expect in terms of that timeline for Chris Middleton. We'll get into that and take a look at some of the updates here. What we've seen when we talk about the defensive growth, how this team has looked defensively in games played since the coaching change. We'll get into all of that after this on Bucks Talk. This is Bucks Talk. One twenty to eighty four, the final score at Fiserv Forum tonight. The Bucks take down the Charlotte Hornets, the short-handed Charlotte Hornets, with this victory and a snap a three-game losing streak. Most importantly, we'll get to that uh, Chris Middleton update of sorts. We didn't get anything concrete from Doc Rivers, but the latest that we heard from Doc, we'll get into that in just a moment. But I do want to share these uh, numbers. So the Bucks, since making this coaching change have now played 10 games, and again, 10 games, not a huge sample size, but there are some coaches that like 10-game samples. I I mentioned the story, too, about Billy Donovan, the head coach of the Chicago Bulls, and that's kind of the lens he uses to view his team's season and their growth from point A to point B as you look at Eight separate 10-game samples. I know it's an 82-game season. I don't know what he does with those other two. But he's referenced 10-game sample sizes that he and his staff look at to see how his team has progressed or regressed throughout the course of a season. So now we've hit those 10 games. Three of them have been with Joe Prunty as the uh, interim head coach, and now seven with Doc Rivers. In those 10 games since this change was made, the Bucks are 4-6. and six. Not ideal, not the best record, especially in a conference where the Cleveland Cavaliers in that same stretch of time have gone 8-1. and one. The New York Knicks starting to get some setbacks on the injury front. They've gone 6-2, and two, and the Celtics also 6-2. and two. So those are the uh, teams either directly in front of you or right there with you. They have outperformed you by two games, two and a half games, essentially. Um, so that is not the good part of this. But the good part is... That defensive number. The Bucks in these 10 games have the 10th best defense in the league during this stretch. A 113.4 defensive rating. And it's not far behind the Boston Celtics, who have a 112.9 defensive rating. The New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans, 112.8. They are 8th best. And the Houston Rockets, a 112.1. So you're basically a point per 100 possessions away from being a top seven defense in this stretch. And the offense has taken a bit of a step back. 115.1. It's an offensive rating that's about six points per 100 possessions, lower than the Bucks' season average. But again, that road trip, you played three games without Brooke Lopez. You've now played essentially three games without Chris Middleton. You played without Damian Lillard in one more of those games. And I think Steve Clifford, the head coach of the Hornets, pointed this out as well when he was asked before the game, you know, what are you seeing from this Bucks team and their growth since the coaching change? And, and he pointed to, look, I, I haven't dug into the tape quite a bit. That's usually the assistant's job, and we would hear the same thing under Mike Budenholzer, right? 
Uh, I haven't really looked at it. We'll put together a scout. The assistants will give it to me, and we'll figure out what we want to attack. But I'll see only a little bit of games from the opponent. However, as he was quick to point out, look, I know people have kind of mentioned what's wrong with the offense since this coaching change, but you're not going to be an elite offense if you don't have your best players available. And coaches have talked about this before as well. You know, you can scheme some things and get by with a defense. You can put together a muddy defense and throw different looks out there where you can get by in a very short period of time if you're missing somebody that's very big and integral. It's when you run into a, a, a matchup issue or opponent that knows, look, they don't have this, let's attack there. That's where you'll see those challenges. But in the short term, you can get by a little bit more. You still need the skill to shoot the basketball, to score the basketball. And when you don't have Damian Lillard, when you don't have Chris Middleton and the effect that it that brings of the way that you're able to stagger those minutes for Giannis and Dame, and again, that game against the Timberwolves, you didn't have Damian Lillard, you didn't have Cameron Payne, and you didn't have Pat Beverly yet. So you didn't have a true point guard. But how many times this season have we talked about, well, Giannis is basically a point guard. That is true. But Chris Middleton is out there running the second unit a lot of times and playing the spot of de facto point guard for you. You didn't have him available. It was essentially all Giannis. And that's the challenge that you can get into. I think we saw it with the Charlotte Hornets tonight. Cody Martin was playing point guard for this team. The challenge is getting organized and getting into your sets when you don't have that true point guard out there. Hornets ran into it tonight. The Bucks have run into it a couple of times of late here. But it, it just is the point where you need to see this team fully together. Now that you've made the coaching change, now that you've started to see some of those signs of progress and growth on the defensive side of the floor, you're not going to see it on the offensive side until this team is healthy. You've seen some nice things tonight. Again, it's not a good defense you were going up against. 30th rated defense in the league in the Charlotte Hornets. And those numbers that we pointed out, that stretch, in that stretch now, dating back to January 24th when the Bucks played their first game with Joe Prunty as their interim coach, Charlotte Hornets have the third worst defense in the league, a defensive efficiency of 123.4. And they've now lost 10 consecutive games. So this was not a good defense that you were going up against tonight. But sometimes that's what it takes. You need games like this against those types of opponents to trigger some of those things, to get hot and continue to keep pushing that forward. You think about Malik Beasley and the game that Malik Beasley had last night basically swapping places with A.J. Green and what A.J. Green was able to do a night ago, going 7 of 8 on his threes and scoring 27 points. Beasley went 0 of 9 on threes and finished with just three points in the loss last night to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And tonight, you wouldn't know it as Malik Beasley comes out and catches fire and stays hot, really, for the duration of the game. 7 of 9 on threes, 21 points in this game for Malik Beasley. You want to see more of how he's going to be fit in with this reimagined offense. Once you get everybody out there for an extended stretch of time, right? Not just a game or two, but now as you have everything clicking or starting to click, I should say, defensively and starting to really build on some things, to have the chance to do the same on the offensive side of the floor, you can't do that until you're healthy. And the other thing is, you know, I, I think 
some of the things that we hear from Doc Rivers before games. He praised Pat, Pat Beverly. Pat Beverly, not Patrick. Pat Beverly. Praised him quite a bit before the game. And we heard him joke about it last night as well, once the trade finally became official, that he could confirm it. All the things that Pat Beverly was going to bring uh, to this team that he envisioned Pat Beverly bringing here. But he had mentioned, you know, look, some of the things that I like the most about it, it was an easy one for me of if we can get this guy, absolutely do it. He is competitive. We heard Steve Clifford use the same verbiage to describe Giannis and what makes Giannis so tough to defend. Well, it starts with his competitive nature. And I think back to early in his career, even when he was a rookie, the first thing that jumped out to you is his competitive spirit. There is nothing more important than that. You want as many guys on your team where you don't have to worry about how hard they are going to play and compete. That's certainly honest. That's never been a concern. It is time in the league here. You know he's going to play hard. You know he's going to compete. And you know he cares deeply. It's not just on the courts in these game situations. From everything I've heard, it's in practice and film session and all that stuff. That's the type of buy-in and the attitude and approach that you want as a coach. Those are basically the exact same things. And I'm not trying to say Pat Beverly is an MVP caliber player, but those are the exact same things, almost word for word, separated by basically 15 minutes. The Doc Rivers had to say about Pat Beverly, and 15 minutes later, Steve Clifford said about Giannis. He's a competitor, as Doc has said a number of times. That word cannot be used enough. He looks at every game as an individual competition that he is supposed to win. He looks at the guy he's guarding the same way. I'm supposed to win. I'm supposed to shut him down. What I like about him is he has a short memory. You're not going to hurt his pride if you score on him. He's coming right back at you, and those guys having that trait, that is very rare in this league. The same you could apply to Malik Beasley and to any shooter for that matter that you're going to have nights like last night where Malik Beasley missed all nine of his threes. You're going to have nights like tonight for A.J. Green who had a rough night after a seven-for-eight three-point shooting night uh, a night ago. But A.J. Green goes one of nine on his threes. It's how you bounce back from that. Malik Beasley goes 0 of 9. He comes back tonight and goes 7 of 9. That's the important part. And again, Malik Beasley's going to be important for this team. Doc Rivers after the game tonight, a lot of attention put on Beasley's seven made threes. The number that we mentioned as well, 13 times this season, that Malik Beasley has hit five or more three-pointers in a game. The first thing Doc Rivers wanted to talk about after the game was Malik Beasley's defense. He was phenomenal, and I think most people are going to say shooting when they talk about Malik being great tonight. But I'll say his defense was phenomenal. He was phenomenal on that on the floor. We told him, if you do your job defensively, the basketball gods will reward you with open shots. Guys wanted to come out. It wasn't just Malik. They wanted to come out of the game tonight because of how hard they were playing defensively. And that's another thing. We've heard Doc Rivers talk about a couple of times now that defensive intensity, the level of which they bring it. You're starting to see some fatigue, and you may think, well, is that good? Doc Rivers says, yeah, that's good. That's what we're looking for. I know these guys maybe aren't conditioned to do that just yet. That's our challenge is getting everybody up to that speed because that type of defense, that level of intensity, that's what you're going to need in the postseason. So seeing it now and getting that team ready for it and bringing in another guy 
like Pat Beverly that has been through that with Doc Rivers, with Rex Kalamian, right, his defensive coordinator. That's important as well when you look at the first couple of timeouts tonight where Pat Beverly is on the sidelines grabbing a clipboard, diagramming some plays, and showing the guys, even on the floor, some of the communication and positioning you would see from Pat Beverly calling out coverages, telling guys where they needed to be, that's going to go a long way in this team really expediting the process of getting all of these things Doc Rivers is putting into place. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. We'll get to Chris Middleton, what uh, Doc Rivers had to say about him. And reading between the lines, when we can realistically expect to see Chris Middleton make his return, we'll get into that portion of the conversation after this on Bucks Talk. Welcome back to Bucks Talk. I'm on top of the world. One twenty to eighty-four, the final score here tonight at Pfizer Forum. Bucks beat the Charlotte Hornets. Snap a three-game losing streak. Uh, I mentioned this as well. Cavaliers and Knicks were both idle tonight. The Sixers lost. Celtics did play and won a close one against the Washington Wizards. So you don't gain any ground on Boston. You don't lose any. You do gain ground on the Cavs, and you do get some separation between yourself and the New York Knicks now. So, again, Cleveland, by way of catching fire, is really an understatement. But Cleveland is now three games in front of the Bucks in the loss column. They're 34-16. and 16. Bucks are 34-19. and 19. To me, three is really the magic number. That's the cutoff. You don't want to slide further than that if you're the Bucks or, or any team, for that matter, because of what that path would be. Um, I mentioned the ambiguity around Joel Embiid. We know it's going to be at least a month. He's going to be reevaluated then. He may not return this season. I don't read anything into any of the moves that the Sixers made at the deadline, and they made a handful of them. They got rid of Daniel House. They brought in Buddy Heald, who started for them tonight. Uh, they moved out Pat Beverly. They brought in Campaign. There's some rumblings that uh, if, in fact, Kyle Lowry, who was one of those players, 11 to be exact, that was out of this game for the Hornets tonight, if, in fact, Kyle Lowry is bought out by the Charlotte Hornets, there's a lot of rumbling he could end up in Philadelphia with the 76ers. So I don't read anything into the moves that they made on Thursday at the deadline into what it could possibly mean for Joel Embiid's status for the remainder of the year. But it's at least a month. They're going to be playing without Joel Embiid. They played once again without Tyrese Maxey. They have a fairly difficult schedule. It's not to the level of the Bucks, but it's a fairly difficult schedule. All of that compounded by the fact that the Celtics have one of the easiest schedules left in all of basketball. The Cavaliers and the Knicks have easier schedules than the Sixers. The Sixers do have an easier schedule than the Bucks, but they're still three games back of the Bucks in the standings, two back in the loss column. It's a lot of work for Philadelphia to crawl out of that hole that is fifth in the East. And look, there's a chance, given the level of schedule the Pacers have, that the Indiana Pacers could catch fire and catch the 76ers. But it does really seem like best-case scenario for Philly is the five seed right now. Maybe other teams deal with some injuries. You can get up to four, but you're still on that four-five line. And I say all this because, as I mentioned, you've got to avoid that four line at all costs if you're the Bucks, because it means... Number one, a very good chance 
your first-round opponent would be the Philadelphia 76ers with the possibility of Joel Embiid having returned or about to return looming over you. If you get through that, you would have the Boston Celtics in the second round, and if you get through that, you'd have the winner on the other side of the bracket. So that would be a very, very challenging run to an NBA championship you want to avoid at all costs if possible. Chris Middleton, we heard from Doc Rivers after the game. It's going to be a minute. I don't know what that means, how long a minute is, as Doc said, but it's it's going to be some time. I wouldn't expect to see him in the next couple of games. I take that to mean we're not going to see Chris Middleton until at least after the All-Star break. From there, who knows, because another challenging schedule when you open up that second-half schedule. So, again, it's going to take some time to get this offense fully healthy, but keep making strides defensively. Monday night, the Bucks and the Nuggets, 7 o'clock tip, 6.30 is when our coverage begins. And as always, be sure to stick around after the game for Bucks Talk.